Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. For those who, who were here on Tuesday night a few weeks ago when I did about Joab, remember? And we took the teaching of Joab and how Joab um, was someone who only cared about himself. And he, he worked, he really, he's, he reminds you of, um, of some of the politicians that can sway either way. They don't care as long as they're taken care of. They really aren't there either for the king in this situation, the Bible, or for the people that that honor that king. They're there for themselves. And so they're very, uh, you want to make sure you're not one of those people. You want to make you're not, you're not someone who just wavers back and forth and you're only looking out for yourself. And even right, I think a lot of people vote like that. I think a lot of people vote on what's going to personally benefit me instead of what would God want me to do. And I just want everyone to know when you vote on what's going to personally benefit you, first of all, it's very selfish and we're supposed to die to self. And second of all, you're actually, even before that, you're going to have to stand before the Lord and probably watch a video or whatever they do in heaven of what that vote was really, really about. Amen. Judgment's going to take a long time. And, and even every idle word we say is going to be judged. Now, our salvation is in if we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and we, and we are convicted by the Holy Spirit and we walk that out. But there will be babies, the Bible calls them babies in heaven who are just tossed around by everyone to doctrine and you can't tell them from the world, but they're saved. How many know some of those and you're glad they're saved? Amen? They're, they're the ones who don't study the word. They don't go to church. They don't do this and that. And the key is you never want to get to such a place where your conscience is seared, which means it doesn't even bother you anymore to sin. Amen? And how many know the enemy's doing everything he can in our culture to cause the people to sin and then not trust God, not want God? And so um, thank God he forgives us. Amen? Thank God he stays with us. Just make sure as you pray for your children and your grandchildren, anyone in this, anyone, your spouse or yourself, just make sure one of your prayers should be, Lord, don't let them steer their conscience. Because you're still heading towards heaven as long as you feel convicted when you sin. <laughs> when you sin and you no longer feel convicted, you could have crossed a line into a seared conscience would actually could take you into that scripture that says, if you continue to sin, there's nothing left to save you. Amen? And nobody wants to get to that, right? And you don't want to play with this stuff. But at the same time, God is merciful. He knows our culture. He knows what people are going through. And thank God there's, there's real repentance. Amen? And so I want you guys just to, as you pray, we want to learn to pray more than cute prayers. Amen? You know, Paul talks about when he prays, he doesn't just beat in the wind, so to speak. He's not just throwing a prayer out there. If you've ever been on a Friday night prayer meeting, you've, you've seen, we really zero in. I mean, we zero in so specifically, uh, it's really amazing, isn't it? And it's very powerful. Um, 
For example, one of the names of the serpent in scripture that God gave me to pray against um, false prophets or the media or anyone declaring what the culture says or what the enemy wants, Antichrist spirit, instead of the Holy Spirit. I was saying, Lord, why haven't we gotten to this yet? Why haven't we broke this? And a lot of it you have to get out of your own heart to have authority. So anytime you do like a Joab and you manipulate a situation to get your way, people are really good at trying to see things where they come out looking good and, and kind of put away what's really happening, right? Like if you ever talk to someone who uh, is going through a relationship issue, if you talk to one of the people in the relationship, boy, it's a whole different story than if you talk to the other one, right? And truthfully, God wants us to be people that we say exactly what it is. That your yes be yes and your no be no. So where you have issues, you recognize I have issues. Okay, we've got to get free from the spirit that blinds us and twists things. And the reason the church has so little authority right now against this twisting of truth is because the church twists truth so much. People don't even know what truth is yet. Amen. And so God's going to restore the apostolic is to come to bring truth and to restore us into believing the word of God, not this person's doctrine and this person's doctrine. He knows what it means. Amen, people. He knows what it means. And so the spirit of error, Holy Spirit's got to get out of the church. And that's something that's going to be restored to the church is, is a pure doctrine. Paul didn't sit there and argue and, oh, well, maybe you're right. Well, no, when they would call an apostle into a situation, they would clear up the doctrine right then and there. Amen. And we have that clarity in the word. But a lot of times we still need revelation to make that understood. And we need God's heart. You need God's heart to understand his word. Otherwise, it's legalism. And legalism brings death. Nobody wants to live under legalism. And nobody should. It makes you feel like you're condemned no matter what. Amen. True repentance is knowing, oh, God will really, really, really forgive me. Um, it's like... But you weren't trying to sin. Do you, the fear of the Lord is to say, I'm not going to play this game with God. He's real. And, and we need the fear of the Lord back in the church big time. Amen. It's a reverence of who he is. Lord, I don't want to get out of your will. I recognize the enemy's real. I don't want to give him a, a straight shot at me. Amen. How many know? I don't want to. How many know he kind of wounds us and hits us and we're not even trying to give him a straight shot. Amen. Could you imagine if you blatantly step out? What would be worse than the enemy attacking you when you're totally, totally sitting against God and on your way to hell is for the enemy not to touch you and you die in that sin. And there was a famous evangelist, apologetics or whatever that means, who just uh, probably is at the same exact place that Epstein is right now. That was teaching and teaching. This just happened. We don't have to cover it up. I'm, I'm not him. My husband and I, we don't do that mess, praise God. People in this church don't do that mess. But to sit there and use your sphere of influence and your intellect and call it Holy Spirit and then have massage parlors around where you're doing lewd acts with people even in, in poor nations while you're acting like you're trying to help them by giving them jobs. Somebody should have been a little clue in that to set up massage parlors probably wasn't the best way to give decent uh, Christian women an opportunity to make money in their nations. Amen? And so there was a big cover-up. And now at the, now the ministry is not covering it up. They're admitting to it. And any, you know, I won't tell you what to do, but uh, if I was putting money in that ministry, guess what? I would not be paying for that anymore. 
So anybody, and somebody says, you're not God. How do you know if they want? They're, if you repent, you make it right with the people you hurt. Amen? If you repent, you make it right with the people you hurt. You can't plan on repenting. Let me say this. Planned repentance is not repentance. It's manipulation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Planned repentance is not repentance. It's manipulation. What am I saying? Well, I'll sin and sin and sin and sin and sin and keep doing this. But boy, if I find myself in a sick bed or if I find myself ready to die or if I find myself, I'm going to repent. God's like, no, that's not repentance, people. Repentance is Holy Spirit convicts you. You repent because you've hurt God. You repent because you've gone against the ways of God. You're hurting other people and there's true repentance. And how many know our nation needs a move of the Holy Spirit? And I'm not pointing fingers at our young generation because our generation was just as bad. They just don't know it. But their temptation is so much stronger. The stuff they have to fight through, even in the public schools, is unbelievable. And the church, we, we, we really need to repent as a church. Now, when this whole thing happened in November, the Lord gave me the scripture the night that we saw what was happening in the middle of the night. You know, they saw numbers being really wild, strange. And we need to be praying right now because all this is finally coming before the Supreme Court. Amen. But God gave me the scripture. Now, here's what you should always do. He doesn't even have to give you a scripture like this. When you see something happening in your life that's affecting your life, or you just want to study if it's affecting someone else, where did it happen in the Bible and how did God react? Amen? Where did the same thing happen in the Bible and where did God react? You will not find almost anything that didn't happen somewhere in the Bible where you can see God's reaction. Amen? And so that's what we've been studying. But God gave me that. He goes, go study where Absalom did a coup against David. And for a short season, took over the kingdom from David. And then you kind of look at, well, so what is God looking at in this? What is God watching in this? And you can actually study David and really know how to pray for anyone that this possibly could happen to in our political arena. Amen? Which could also mean congressmen and senators and presidents and vice presidents. A lot of people maybe has something stolen from them. That's important. Amen? And so I want to know what God says. About, I'm really a little over the prophets uh, back and forth saying, you know, what, how God sees this. I want to see what the word says how he sees this. Amen. And I want to see what he tells us to do and how we're to pray. I want to see how was it set up? Is there something like that in the Bible? And it's really quite amazing how this stuff is in the Bible. Amen. So it makes the Old Testament come to life when you can actually begin to see, wow, this stuff still happens today. How many know as we're getting closer to the return of Christ, we're seeing more of the Old Testament stuff really happening and the need for understanding the true prophets and the need for the prophets and the up and coming apostles to understand the heart of God and the nature of God. Does anybody not know that the same God who walked in the garden with Adam and Eve is the same God who's going to be returning? Amen. He hasn't changed. He changes not. And so the church kind of went too far to the, he's just a nice, nice guy. You can't even look in scripture and just say Jesus is just a nice, nice guy. He called the religious leaders vipers. That means serpents. That means you're like the devil. He even said you're like your father. 
the devil. He called them liars. And if he said pants on fire, he wouldn't be kidding. Amen. He told them they were going to hell. Right? So why do we only see Jesus as this really great? He is great. Amen. He is good. But he does not tolerate evil like we've pretended uh, in a lot of the teaching. Amen. He, he went into the main service, the big deal conference, so to speak, and turned over their product tables. He turned them over because he knew you're just trying to make money off of religion. How many know there's a lot of people just trying to make money off of religion right now, alive in America? Amen? And they get by with it. And they get influence. And then they, they're sinning and nope, everybody looks the other way. Why? Where's the true prophets who aren't going to look the other way? God sent a prophet to David when he sinned. And guess what the heart of David was? To repent and know that he sinned against God. Do y'all understand sinning against God is, is a more depth understanding of what this is about than, oh, I sinned and hurt that person or what I said hurt that person or what I did could hurt that person. Yes, you're sinning against people, but to God, you're sinning against him. He's God, people. All right, so... Let's pick this up and you can go listen online to find what we did up to here. So we're at 2 Samuel 15. Let me get my notes. We're not going to finish this this morning um, because I really think this is really powerful teaching that we ought to get the whole series on. If you look at the whole story, what happened is Joab, we talked about this, pulled all this mess had pretenders set things up to get David to say Absalom could come back. Now, Absalom had been barred from the kingdom. He had to, he, his dad did not want to see him. His, his consequent or his punish for murdering his brother, that's what he did. He murdered David's other son. And how did he do it? He set up a lie. He, he made it look like he was going to go do some kind of worship thing, got his brother and others to come, and had his brother killed. Okay? Now, David, when he first hears about it, he, how many know, even back then, they exaggerated everything. You had to pick out. So the, David was told, they're all dead. All your children that went to that thing with Absalom, they're all dead. I'm like, and then, no, someone else comes, no, no, they're not all dead. Just this brother's dead. Now, if you follow this back, Absalom was bitter because his father looked the other way when his sister, and it was his full sister, because remember the kings had more than one wives. His full sister, Tamar, was raped by the same brother that Absalom murdered. And y'all thought y'all had family problems. Amen? And God still blessed David. David did not handle it correctly. David had a tendency to just let things go and hope they worked out. So Absalom took his sister who'd been raped. And in that culture, if a woman was raped, 
or if she lost her virginity any way at all before marriage, she was useless and not able to marry. So basically, when he raped her, he took away her chances of ever being married, ever having children, ever being important in the kingdom or the government. He basically stole everything from her because of lust. And if you look at it after he gave into that lust, he then hated her and blamed her. Perfect example of somebody knowing they did something wrong, wouldn't stop, went through with it, and then they twist it and blame the person. And I just, you need to deal with your issues about this stuff. Some of you have been through divorces and you're just so blame the other person and evil about the other person that, that you kind of got that thing in there. You need to stop and see what you need to repent of. You need to stop and say, why did you marry them? Why did you put up with it? What if God had done something different? How could things have changed? God does not just sit there and say, this one's bad and this one's good. God wants you to see you in every situation. And then the last thing to do is to marry again until you see you in the last situation. And are sometimes one person more at fault? Yes. But that doesn't change. Why did you marry them? It doesn't change. How did you handle it? Why wasn't God big enough? Amen. So God wants all these things dealt with. There's no condemnation. He just wants us to get real and deal with stuff. Why? He doesn't want it repeated. He wants us to understand to get really healed and really free and really deal with issues. God is a God who wants people to deal with issues. See, part of the politics in our nation is don't deal with what you just did when you had a baby in your womb that you didn't want. Let's just pretend it's not a baby. Let's just even make everybody think that it's not a baby. The same people who will go out of their way to save a whale or any, any, almost anything anymore, a chicken egg practically, the same people will sit there and act like it's science that that's not a baby in the womb. You know, I woke up this morning and it just really upset me. We are, we are, living, in a na we are living in a nation, but especially in a state that literally thinks the baby, as long as you kill that baby before it comes out of the birth canal, even if it could totally live on its own, it's okay. Now, why would anybody ever want to say that's okay? Well, for one thing, possibly somebody's selling baby parts and a baby that's basically born alive, but you make somebody think it's dead, you're going to get a lot of money. Isn't that a horrible Horrible, horrible thing to think that could happen in our own country. But guess what? That's how evil the church has set back and let this happen. Why? Because we haven't dealt with this stuff in the church overall. We haven't had the compassion. We haven't done these things. What you see in a culture is a reflection of the church. Amen? Because God gives authority to heal a land based on his people. Anyway, it's horrible. I mean, I, I want every, to, when I woke up this morning, it's like I literally had a picture in my spirit of a full, grow, ready to be born baby and then being murdered. God has to watch this as evil people say this isn't against God's laws. You know, how did it start? Oh, just when you're right at first found out you're pregnant and, and, and there probably is no pain. Amen? 
And then devil's like, okay, let's take it further. Oh, let's take it further. Let's take it further. I don't think there was anybody when all this started that would have been okay if they said, well, you can go in and kill a baby even when it, there's people all over wanting to adopt babies. But even if there weren't, too bad. Handle it. God will give you grace. God will give you grace. And the church needs to help handle it. Amen? We need to help, we need to help people when they're in some of these situations and not judge them and condemn them, but love them. We, we need to be the ones to rescue the women who have walked through abortion, who have the enemies trying to sear their conscience so they never have to deal with it. We need to be the ones to love them. We need to be the ones to show them the forgiveness of Christ. We need to be the ones to see them healed and restored, not the ones to stone them. Amen. And that's where the church and self-righteousness has lost so much authority in this nation. Anyway, I don't know how I was getting to all that, but anyway. So this stuff isn't new. All the young people think they're new with this. People in David's day, David, David got Bathsheba pregnant um, while her husband was fighting a war that David had started. And then when she got pregnant, they didn't, they didn't do abortion back then, thank God. So he had her husband murdered by putting him on the front line. Guess who did that? Joab. Joab was the one who carried that out. So do you kind of see where David kind of depended on Joab? Because Joab knew, Joab knew when he put that person there, he was probably going to be murdered. And don't you think Joab put the pieces together when he came back from war and Bathsheba is now married to David and they have a baby. And I think Joab could kind of figure out the timing on all this. Amen. Anyone who could do math could have figured out that her husband wasn't anywhere around, nor were any other men. They were all fighting, except King David. Come on, y'all know how nosy people are. You know they were figuring this stuff out. But because he was a king, everybody had to be quiet, except for the prophet. Anyway, that's another whole story. All right, so we're here at Absalom. So Absalom has come back in. Joab set up a, a thing. You can go hear this on the teaching. And to get Absalom back. But David's still upset with Absalom. And so he says, he can come back, but I don't want to see him. And Absalom does all this stuff, even attacking Joab, to cause his dad to see him again. So his dad sees him. And, and at that point, you begin to see um, Absalom. Absalom is now plotting to take over. So this was a long-term plan. If anybody thinks a coup happens overnight, you're wrong. It's been in the works in somebody's heart for a long time. Somebody is angry. Somebody's bitter. Somebody wants power. And it's in, in process. So when we look at Absalom here, let me go to a different translation on this. So 2 Samuel 15, 12. Now this is kind of interesting. Absalom sent, oh gosh, this is where I'm not good at names. So I'm going to do the best I can. Okay, I can't. It's really hard. <laughs> I hit the peel. How would you say it? Okay, 2 Samuel 15, 12. Absalom sent. Yes. Okay, right. Remember, right before this, David has just, Absalom has just told David he's got to go pay his vow. It's something he did. He's going to take some men and leave. So 
he's leaving, but he's really leaving to do a coup. Amen. And so as he leaves, he, um, it says, Absalom sent spies among the tribes of Israel. When you hear the sound of the ram's harm, then you shall say, Absalom is king. So he's setting this up. Now, remember, he already started. We talked about this last time. He started telling everybody when they came in. Um, you know, I probably should. He started telling everybody when they came in to the kingdom. Let me go back a little. All right. It happened after Absalom came back. This is, go to 15.1. So Absalom, 15.2. Absalom rose up, stood by the side of the way of the gate. And it happened that every man who had a cause to come to the king for judgment, Absalom called to him and said, where are you from? And he would tell them. And, and he would say what tribe he was from. And Absalom would say to him, behold, your matters are good and right. But there's no listener to you from the king. All right. You don't want to be one of those people who say, well, you know what? If you go and try to talk to that person who has the authority to help you, they're not going to. So, so it would be like someone in a church saying, yeah, you know, we've tried to talk to Cindy or we tried to talk to Karen or Nicole and they're, they're not going to help you. You know, come over, to, come over to my house and I'll really help you. So Absalom's doing this kind of thing. Absalom's basically saying, look, David doesn't care about you. All the people he has set in positions, they don't care about you, but I do. And the other thing he was saying is, wow, that's a good cause. Wow. Thinking there's more than male and female. Wow, that's a good cause. You're not going to have anybody in authority in that leadership who's going to think that's a good cause. But, man, if I had the authority, I would really help you. Does anybody see how this has been going on? Let me find whoever has an issue, whoever has an area of bitterness, whoever might be upset. It could be a real cause. Civil rights was a real cause. Amen? Civil rights was a real cause. But the way it's being twisted after you've had presidents who were at least part African heritage and you have school teachers and lawyers and doctors and uh, policemen and FBI agents there's not a single door that is closed to an african-american because of the civil rights movement because of things that happen right you cannot have a president that did not get a lot of votes from people who aren't black. Amen? Amen. So, so just the logic says, wait a minute, is this really the cause anymore? So there, it's like, it's this whole spirit. Look at this spirit. Absalom saying, so Absalom would say to a woman, a young girl, you should be able to do whatever you want with that inconvenience of being pregnant. You've got a good cause. And if I were the king, I'd make sure you could handle that any way you want. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? This is how Absalom, this is how that spirit sets it up. And people just go along with it. Same thing in schools. I'm talking about anywhere where there's an authority. We need to start getting this false authority out of ourselves. We do not have to undermine, flatter, and promise something. So if someone comes to me for counsel, okay, I'm not trying to build a big church. Amen? I'm not trying to do any. I'm going to tell you what God's word says. You almost already know what I'm going to say. Right? If someone comes to me and they're living together and they're not married, I can love them. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But if they came to me and said, well, this is why we're doing this and this is the best reason and this is that. How many think I would take that cause and, and counsel against God's word? How many know you could go to some churches and they would? And let me tell you, with your children, if they're grown, they, they've got to learn on their own. Amen. You don't disown people. You don't hate people. You don't make people not welcomed. Amen. But they need to know what you think and what you think should be what God thinks. Amen. Does everybody get that? And if we have godly leaders, they should think what God thinks. Because God's not evil. He does things because he wants to protect us and take care of us. And he knows what he's doing. He knows why he does it this way. So the whole Absalom spirit, which you could also see, you know, in politicians and teachers and media and unions and everything else, is one that says, they don't really understand what you're going through. I could solve it for you. And, and that's such a wishy-washy way to run anything. Because basically it's saying, you have a problem, I'll do what works for you. I'm not, not what works in the long term for the nation. Not what lurk, works in the long term for your salvation, amen. I'm just going to do what will get me the vote right now. Or at least tell you that. Amen. It said, it happened that every man who had a cause to come to the king for judgment, Absalom called to him and said, of what city are you? Um, and what tribe are you from? And Absalom would say to them, behold, your matters are good and right. And there is no listener to you from the king. Can I tell you something? There's something different in having a listener and having someone who's going to agree with you no matter what. There's something really different between having a listener. I guarantee you, David or however he had it set up had a listener. It doesn't mean he had somebody who was going to agree. But also if you look at Absalom here, he probably was upset because he did not agree. And his, I believe his father did not do right in the eyes of Tamar. Maybe for their culture he did okay. But for what seems right to us, he surely didn't do okay. Amen? But David was in a really hard place. Is he going to imprison his own son? He should have. But anybody who can look at David will see a lot of codependency all over the place. One of David's biggest um, issues in his heart that you can follow in scripture, though he loved the Lord, he wanted to serve the Lord, he really, really could not stand up to friends, to counselors, to his children. He, it was like he had to be the guy everybody liked. Amen? And therefore, Absalom was able to get in and undermine him. All right. Absalom said, who shall make me a judge? So then Absalom started saying, man, if you would make me the judge over this dispute, I would declare 
justice. I would bring justice. Oh, I would bring justice. I would bring justice to, see, sometimes you can't, if outside of God's word, how can you have real justice? How can you have justice to someone who's confused about what athletic sport and team they should be on? I mean, that used to be pretty simple. I mean, we could really get to a place to say, trying out is not even fair. And then it's really not fair if someone who's a lot smaller or weaker, well, they need extra points. It's not fair. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you sit there and look at every person's situation and what they think and what they want, you would just forever be, how you couldn't do it. Amen? You couldn't rule if you're going to base it on specific things like well you know what that's just not fair if they're under five feet tall then they 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 don't have an advantage and, and unless the sport's set up that way I don't care that much about sports anyway but for some people it means scholarships for some people it means careers amen for me it just meant the last one picked <laughs> so so I don't have anything about sport. I don't watch sports. I don't care about sports. I can't tell you much about sports. Yes, I am the person who's probably watched the Super Bowl the less of anybody in the in the nation. And I've never been upset by who won or didn't win. Unless God told me it was a prophetic thing going on. Amen. So but that doesn't mean to somebody it doesn't matter. To somebody it could be a scholarship. And so I'll, I got to be honest, I can't just sit here and say, wow, can anybody answer all these things? Nobody can. God is shaking us up to say, quit thinking you know everything and how you would handle things. Amen? Because you don't. Quit judging everybody who tries to handle everything. But get this Absalom thing out of your heart where you're going to do what's going to make them like you. Can I tell you, you won't, you can't please everybody. And you're not going to have a godly uh, meeting. You're not going to have a godly family. You're not going to have a godly church. If all you do is try to please everybody, the most you can have is a social club. And even then people won't be real social. <laughs> Amen. And there won't be any real unity. There won't be any real power, real, real authority. You have to. So how would you do these things? How would you do these things? Now, let me just say in our nation, there's this thing that God gave our forefathers called the Constitution, which is very well planned out. That's amazing. And so all the way until now. They've just tried to go by that. I mean, it's been wavering for quite a few years, but you know, what does the Constitution say about this? What does the Constitution? And they try to have people, there's supposed to be people who, who only want to see what would the Constitution really say? What would our forefathers say? What, and truthfully, wouldn't it be nice if these were people who were really born again of the Spirit of God and had wisdom? Has anybody ever been in a situation where you have to ask God for wisdom and every situation is different and you can't really make a rule about it? Amen. If you're raising kids, you should learn this. Amen. And so, so God's way of doing things, when Christ rules and reigns, I promise you it's going to be led by wisdom. Amen. And he's going to be the most righteous judge because he's going to know everything about it. And we're not capable of doing these things. 
And so for that, we need to, to pray for God to heal our nation, but to heal these hearts of these politicians trying to make these decisions. And we need to begin to lift up those who have a heart to make good decisions. Amen. I, I believe there's, there actually could actually be more with that heart when they go into politics than the ones who, who become so corrupt. And so part of as we're learning with this teaching, God's trying to teach us how do we pray? How do we see things clearly? How do we begin to intercede in such a way that could change our nation uh, back to a nation following God? Amen? And part of that is really understanding what's going on. So I wouldn't want to have to make some of these decisions. Amen? We don't want a nation that just makes all Republican decisions or all Democrat decisions. We want a nation of leaders that make decisions that are right for this nation who have a heart for God. Amen? We want, because God knows how, God's the only one who could keep a nation with this many nationalities together. This, this, this melting pot that America is, one of the few nations where anybody can come and have come, the difference was people would come before not to see what they could get and keep their own cultures. They came before because they loved the idea of being an American. They loved the idea of being able to work and to, to get ahead and, and, to, and, and to be free. And so it worked well. But if, if the enemy's able to twist that and use it for political reasons... Our nation is not a nation that can stand unless we stay under God. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. Don't anybody kid yourself. This nation is going to be a mess if we don't see God, not just in half the nation, which I don't believe it's in half the nation. We need to see God in all the nation. So we need to really intercede and pray for that instead of just playing political games. If God would put in a leader that we would like as Christians, that's not going to solve the problem of this nation. The divisiveness in this nation is a big problem. God has a spiritual law that says a house divided cannot stand. Our nation is almost completely divided. I mean, there's, it's almost half and half as far as governors and mayor. It's, it's amazing so, so no matter what, half of our nation politically is not on the same page with the other half of the nation. Amen? So we have to pray for God to do something that's going to change both parties and bring a people into a unity that can only come in Christ. This nation was set up to be a nation under God. You can't force that. Forcing religion it's the same as communism. It's the same as nations that brought the dark ages of Catholicism. Wow, we're in a mess, aren't we? Good morning. Why? We're not really in a mess if we start to pray what we need. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ. And then we need true 
ministers and leaders who can train up and equip and disciple people to love God's word and to yield to Holy Spirit and to recognize the voice of God and be led by the spirit of God. It's, you know, God has spent in this prophetic, just getting everybody back excited about being connected to Christ and back excited about hearing them and walking with him. But did we do much with that, 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 that God could say, wow, that's what I did this for. God did not pour out his spirit and Toronto and these other places. So we just all have a party all the time. He actually did it so we would know how real he is. So we would have the boldness and the love and the faith to go and win souls. To go to nations. To go and make disciples. Amen. And how many want to say it kind of became an entertainment fun kind of thing that our kids just walked away from. Why? It's embarrassing to see mom shake like that. It's embarrassing to see them make all those sounds. And, this and, that. and they got in their own little intellectualism and went into a culture that mocks everything supernatural unless it's demonic supernatural. So, so as God is um, shaking everything that can be shaken, we need to go through the proper shakings. Amen. See, the ones who are just standing, he said it, we're going to do it. And then the other one's like, it's not going to change. It's like, neither one of those are right in and of themselves. Both, both of them have some truth to it. God is so clear in his word. When my people called by my name who seek my face, that just wipes out most of the people right there. Anyone who's not going after God this morning, anyone who doesn't watch God, some teaching on God or read the word, you're not seeking his face. I, I guarantee you when we're really seeking his face, he's going to heal our land. And, and part of the shaking for me is, am I seeking his face or am I seeking his hand? I like, I like my stuff. I'd give it up for him in a second. But if I don't have to give it up, I'd like to hang on to it. Is anybody else that real? Amen. Or if you don't have much stuff, you still kind of like that you could have stuff. Don't you like being able to say what you want to say? Yes. Amen. And being able to worship and go to church if you want to. Amen. So, so God is like shaking everything to get it down to the core truth of do I want to seek his face? See, after 911, people sought his protection. But they never crossed into seeking his face overall. Only you know if you seek his face. Because you can come and Karen and them get have an awesome worship service. I'm, I'm questioning how much we're seeking his face. Because God hasn't let our worship go in that direction lately. He's letting it go in the direction that I do know that most of us are. We're seeking his answer for the hour we're living in. Amen. We're seeking divine protection and intervention. Right? We're seeking... For God to fix things, right? Are you? Are you seeking his face? I'm preaching to myself. Sometimes when you get in the midst of a trial, and it's, what if this goes on for a while, people? Are we just going to quit seeking his face? Because we're so intense on being watchmen. We're so intense on, on praying the things he wants in here. How, is anybody else like me? Like the prophets who are all saying, um, you know, this is going to turn around all this. We agree, but don't you not even sit and listen to them anymore? Because you know exactly what they're going to say, but they're not giving us anything new because they, they're not supposed to. 
God's watching and say, when are you going to come back and seek my face? When are you going to get back in my word and see what I have to say? What's, what's the heart that I have? Lord put on my heart last night, if you saw the p- thing I posted about the miracle for, um, uh, of the, I won't say names since we're on, inter- on the internet, but you know, the little girl who runs around the church, who's eight years old now, who was dead in her mom's womb and they couldn't find her. God said, why don't you tell people the good news? Why don't you spend some time telling the good news? Why don't you kind of let go of the other and let me do what I'm doing and start winning some of these people by who I am? Because trying to open their eyes when they don't want their eyes open isn't working. Trying to shame them into how could you isn't working. Now to keep putting truth out there so people don't, there's a tendency, which is sad, of complacency that if you don't win right away, you give up. Well, I'm here to tell you, you guys have a pastor, whatever you want to call me, an overseer of this church who knows how to persevere. I mean, I will persevere and I will persevere. Y'all, some of y'all are persevering situations. Amen. I will persevere. I will not give up on God. I will not give up on his word. I will not give up on the truth. I will. You can hit me, yell at me. Don't hit me, please. Um, you know, say ugly things, walk away, come back, whatever. Guess what? I still come alongside you and, and, I, and I will persevere. Amen. I persevered to buy this building. To pay. Does anybody think I'm not going to persevere if what we're hoping doesn't happen quickly? Does anybody think I'm going to be hard? It's going to destroy me. Well, it's not going to destroy you either. Because you're going to persevere. Add to your faith. Get some faith. That's what we've been doing. Now I'm, let me announce. Let me officially announce. Where are we at in this? We are add to our faith perseverance in this. Amen. We are add to our faith perseverance in this. All right, everybody say, I am add to my faith perseverance in the situation in the United States of America. Faith by itself is not causing this to happen. Amen? Where's that scripture? This is not what I was going to preach. Let me know how much that happens. Where's the scripture about add to your faith perseverance? Second um, Peter 1.5. All right, let's all go there. Because I want to show you the process that we may all get to go through together. Let's start with 2 Peter 1. Okay. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To who those who have received and possessed precious faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is being written to. This letter is being written to those. I'm going to go to literal. I have all these different translations. It's, this letter is only written to those who have faith. What is faith? Faith, and I'm not going to go, there's a whole teaching we have on faith. Faith is you hear God, you walk with God, you believe God, you trust God, and your faith is ever growing. Amen? Every trial you get through and you have victory, you have more faith. Amen? It doesn't mean you don't have more trials, because he's going to get your faith stronger and stronger and stronger. So he's talking here, um, and he says, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those equally precious with us, having obtained faith in the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So our faith is in that God does things right. Our faith in what he has done, what he has paid, how he has things set up. Our faith is in him. So how many know my faith is not in a politician right now? 
My faith is not in a um, president one way or the other. Amen. So get, and when people say that, this is just not true. My faith isn't there. Amen. My faith is in Jesus Christ. Amen. My faith is in what is right in the eyes of God. My faith is in his righteousness. I want you to stop and get that for whatever personal thing you're going through. What are you walking through that you need to get your faith not in doctors, not in medicines, not in um, the economy, not in what your checking account looks like? What is it that you, not in what it looks like your kids are doing? Amen. What is it that you need to get your faith in Jesus Christ and his righteousness? Ooh, just there, that's a big starting point to turn your life around. I mean, I want that to sink into everybody here. God is not asking you to get your faith in your checking account. He's not asking you to get your faith in your education. He's not asking you to get your faith in, in how you raised your kids. He's not asking you to get your faith in, in the politicians, in the economy. Amen? So let's all just let all that go right now. Just, Lord, everything that has held our attention and we put our faith in that's not you, we just let it go right now. We just let it go. Goodbye. It's gone. Does that mean you don't still go to doctors? No, but you're going to go to doctors different. And you're going to take, if you have to take medication, you're going to do it different. And if you're going to post, you're going to post different. And if you're going to believe, you're going to believe different. Everything you do from this point on, you do it based on your faith in God. So if you have to go to the doctor... You don't do it and pretend to faith. I'm not going because I'm not going. No, if you're sick, you need to go. Amen? Oh, okay, I'm going to put this out there. If you don't have faith that God is big enough to keep those medicines from hurting you, you don't have much faith. But you don't take medicines with the label that says they could do this, 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 and this, even though they have nice music in the background and they're all dancing on the beach. If you need to take that, and that's for you to decide, I'd say avoid as much as possible unless it's extremely serious in life and death. Then you better, you better listen. You may need the time to get more faith. Amen? But then when you do it, you do it in faith. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Now, when I'm doing something in faith, my faith isn't whew, that this medicine is going to heal me. My faith is that for, for my son's situation, my faith had to change from coming against the medicine and pretended faith and wanting them to say he doesn't need it. And when he still needed it, okay, he needed the medicine at first. He probably wouldn't be here today if my pretended faith had prevailed against my husband's logic. Amen? So God knows who to put you with that may not walk where you walk, but they walk where they need to walk for what God's doing. Amen? And so we needed the time for me to mature. We needed the time for me to go after God deeper. We needed the time for me to what? Persevere. Add to my faith perseverance. Amen? Can I just tell you where the church is right now? Nobody wants to hear this, but too bad. God is going to add to our faith. Some people don't even have faith. Mm. Some people do not even have faith that God is able to put who he wants in the position of president. Some people don't just think God can't do it. Look at our system. Y'all, God can do anything. He can shake everything upside down and turn around until people are begging for what God wants to happen. 
you always need to see things from how big God is. Amen? You always need to see things from how big God is because that's where your faith is. My faith is not in our system. My faith is not in the church. My faith is in how big God is. Ooh, get this again. Get this again. Get this again. Your faith always needs to be based on how big God is. And when you read the word, when I read this word, which I'm obviously not getting to, when I read this word about how God restored David and gave him back the kingdom after a coup happened from Absalom, the key was that God was big enough to do this. God was big enough to bring down um, the Berlin Wall. God is big enough to destroy communism out of nowhere. God is big enough to save all of Korea. I feel like I, I know because I wasn't thinking any of this. God wants you to realize how big God is. We've been fighting this little thing, looking at this and this news report and this politician and what this one's doing. And God's like, if you don't get your eyes on who can do this thing, anything, you're going to miss the whole thing. So my faith is on how big God is. And my faith grows when I actually know how big God is. So if Satan has beat you down and beat you down and you've never won a victory and you don't even trust God, you don't understand him, you don't have much faith. And if you make fun of the faith message, you need that message. But it has to go beyond hid knowledge into relationship knowledge. Amen? See, I know how big God is. But because I know how big he is and because I know what his will is in this situation, because I do. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to add to my faith perseverance and that he's not doing something bigger for the church. Does everybody get it? The Holy Spirit, they didn't make planet Earth so that the United States of America would have a lot of money no matter how filthy she was and do her own thing while we're helping other nations go to hell. When you see your tax money going to another nation to teach them that God did not make the male and female, you ought to have, everybody should be up in arms. I don't care who you are. I don't want to spend $10 million that way or a billion dollars that way. This is not what we want to do. If you're going to stop these other jobs, take that money and help these people get new industry going for real. Don't just talk about it. Amen. God's got to wake everybody up. He's got to wake everybody up to how big he is. He's got to wake everybody up to boldness. But the whole key is seeing what is God after? What is God after right now in the United States of America? He is not after putting um, a certain person in as president. That's not what he's after. What's he after? He's after putting this nation back under God. That's what he's after. He's after bringing this nation back under God. He's really had it with our filth. He's really had it with our filth. We deserve judgment. We deserve it. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. And we don't deserve judgment just because of what the young people are doing and the people who've gone to college and been brainwashed. We, we got to cry out for, we deserve judgment because we let it happen. We let it happen when we let racism destroy and hurt people after God went in and intervened and with the Civil War. Until we humble ourselves and really see what we could have done different, what we can do different, 
what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. How many, can I just say, God's not budging on this. Has anybody noticed? God's not, he's not not budging because there's a group saying that was never his will. Y'all just be quiet and grow up. And he's not budging because there's a group having parties and eating cake and all this other awesome stuff saying he's got to do this and he's going to do it now. You've already missed the now time. At least three months you've missed the now time. I'm not saying they're not. They're where God wants them and these are somewhat where God wants them because what's he doing? He's doing something in between. Because he's checking everybody's hearts. What is he doing biblically? He is making us, first he see who has faith and now will the faith people persevere. Everybody dropping out now. Anybody who dropped out after the dates, November 3rd, whatever, January 6th, January 20th. If you dropped out then, guess what? You had no faith. Or you did not persevere. All right? Simon Peter. So he keeps on. Grace to you. All right. Grace. Grace. Grace is not a little thing. Grace is comes from God. It's what you ask for whenever you're having a hard time. It's what if you're having a meeting, guys, and you like, where do we do next? How do we handle this next? You ask for grace. You don't just jump in with your humanness and try to take over and do something. You need grace and you need wisdom. Grace is God's supernatural power. Grace is God's supernatural power poured out for us to bring forth what he's promised us. And you cannot earn it. I don't know why everybody makes such a big deal about you can't earn it. Of course you can't earn anything from God. Why, why you even have to, uh, uh, that you make the definitions about that shows how far away we are from the heart of God. God would never think of us earning something. So why would he even put that in the terminology of his word? Ooh. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's not confused about what he means. So grace is so much more than unmerited favor. Why would God say unmerited? Of course it's unmerited favor. He's God. We're the creation. We don't deserve. He, he's the one in charge. That's what unmerited favor is. We can't earn it. We don't get brownie points. We don't get him to say, okay, this, this, and this. Okay, oh. true Christianity is Christ in you. True Christianity hardly exists in America, it seems like. I want you to get it. True Christianity is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ inside of you, God inside of you. He's in there. It's not a cute thing to say and wear a t-shirt. And it's, Christ in you, Holy Spirit in you, whew, giving you the grace, the supernatural power and enablement to talk to God, to hang out with God, to hear the Father, to understand the word. Do y'all get it? Without grace, you don't get any of it. You can't have real faith without grace. There's things we have and nobody else has. We have, first of all, God in us, amen? We have faith. It's a, it's a substance. It's real. I can, it's the faith is the actual evidence of the things you're seriously believing God for. Let me say this. When you let go of faith, or your faith can't persevere through the fire, you're finding out why you didn't get what you wanted. Quit blaming it on anything else. Well, I didn't. it's okay not to have enough faith. 
We just got to get free from these lies to make us so superior. Okay? If when my daughter died, a premature death, if you had a daughter or a son or a grand, somebody that you had authority or spouse that died a premature death, can you finally breathe? Oh, I didn't have the faith for that. I maybe had some. I persevered for a while. But faith is the evidence. It's the very substance of the thing you're hoping for. Satan's going to do everything he can to take your hope. And you need to not blame it. I don't care. There is no doctor who could take away faith. It's a lie. If you blame it on anything. Why are you saying I don't have enough faith? Is it okay not to have enough faith for something that most people couldn't begin to have faith for? I'll just be blunt. Y'all have heard me blunt. When I saw my daughter's brain, three feet from her head, fully intact, I did not have faith to pick it up, put it in her head, and say, be healed in Jesus' name. When there are people whose kids are in wheelchairs, and they're so disabled, it's okay that they don't have the faith for that yet. Some people don't even have faith for a headache. We've got to quit pretending that we're someone we're not yet. We've got to understand that God is serious about adding to this faith perseverance. Be thankful. Wow, Lord, I had some faith. But boy, when I started, when I had to persevere, when I had to do something different and go deeper and all these things. See, I know what perseverance faith is because that's what I did when my son was supposed to die three, four, five or six times. And it's a real battle. It's not just words. It's God, show me, teach me, help me. It's encounters with the Holy Spirit saying, well, you've got to renounce covering doctrine. Oh my gosh, do y'all know if I didn't renounce covering doctrine, we could have a big church right now with no power or authority to pray what he has us praying. God is not after the same thing the world is after. Amen? I mean, this is a real walk of really dying to self and trusting God and growing in God. It isn't child's play. It's not something that you just do in your head. But it's okay. We got to quit judging each other and throwing stones at each other. We're supposed to come alongside each other and help each other find what they need. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody is going to get Margaret across the finish line except for Margaret faith growing, persevering. And hanging on to Jesus. It's time we quit looking for somebody anointed to come in and fix things. Because if they fix things and you don't get right with God and get that thing. The enemy's going to come back. He says he could come back seven times worse. I've seen it. So this isn't about, oh please, great evangelist or prophet or apostle, pray for me. This is about, oh great God, we love you, thank you. And then you go because you're hungry for him. You're seeking him. You want him. Your faith is increased by him. And then he brings somebody. And then he says, go now up there. This is how I want to do it. Whew. Break free, people. When I'm looking for a person to do what only God can do, then I can only do it the way God's going to do it. And guess what? If I keep trying to do it the way I want to do it, I'm going to start getting, the enemy will try to make me disappointed. Amen? But I need to start building my faith. 
grace to you. Peace be multiplied by a full knowledge of God. Jesus Christ our Lord. I can't, I have this on teaching somewhere. Can you, do you want the full knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord? I want the full knowledge. Can you imagine that? I want the full knowledge. Well, if you really want the full knowledge, you're in the word. You're asking for Holy Spirit to teach you. You're asking for revelation. You're going to be excited if when um, this guest uh, prophetic person comes, apostolic person comes, if they teach something you haven't heard before and it's not just about the issue in our nation right now. Because you want the full knowledge. Amen? Mm. We can have the full knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So when people say, well, you can't understand those things, get out of the way. I'm going after the full knowledge. As his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of the one calling us through glory and virtue. Wow. His divine supernatural power has already given to us, you guys, everything we need for this life and to live godly. But it comes to the full knowledge of the one calling us through glory and virtue. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to get the things that he's promised me when I get hungry for full knowledge of him. The most exciting thing to me right now is not when and how God does this thing in our nation. The most exciting thing to me right now is to hear new voices being raised up who are teaching deeper meat than I've heard before. That's part of the full knowledge. Honestly, I would say it's worth it just to begin to see God raise up people who have more knowledge and not yesterday's manna only. But you'd be surprised how many people only want to hear the same things you can go on the internet and hear 10 times. If you're not bored with that yet, you're not asking for full knowledge. Amen? Which would you rather have? A certain president and party in power or full knowledge of God? Well, there's nothing to stop you from getting full knowledge of God. And actually, this might actually help. So he's given us the power to have everything we need for this life, for godliness, because we're going to get the full knowledge of the one calling us through his own glory, which means for his credit and by his virtue. I want to see what the word virtue is. Hold on. Okay, virtue. Valor. Okay, what's valor? It has to do with strength. Let me look up the word valor. Okay, so God wants us to have valor, you guys. So let's know what it is. Boldness. <laughs> oh God, get ready for this. Boldness or determination in facing great danger. What? What? You want us to have, you want us to add to everything valor? Boldness, determination and facing great danger. Yay, the whole church can do this at one time. See, until we're facing great danger, we make up a different word for virtue. But I always knew there's a real word for this virtue thing. Boldness and determination in facing great danger. You know, you've got to add virtue. If you're fighting a disease, if you're fighting uh, torment, if you're fighting depression, if you're fighting uh, something attacking your children or your finances, you need to start asking God for virtue. Virtue. Amen? How many's asked for that? I guarantee you almost nobody in here's asked for that. I mean, I don't think I've ever specifically asked for it. I'd go over the whole list and say, I want this, this, this. But I never, 
ever understood when it said virtue before. Because people have all kinds of definitions for it. But this one is it. God wants to give us a boldness and a determination in great danger. How many know the church needs that if you look at the Bible? So, look, you don't, it's not going to give you about a worse situation. You're already in one in this nation. Amen. So, oh, my God, for that, I'll be in great danger. You are in great danger. If you're a Christian and you want to be bold. Amen. I'm excited now. We're right on track. We're right where God wants the church to be. All right, let me go back. We're going to have the full knowledge of the one calling us through his glory, through virtue, through a boldness and a determination to overcome. A boldness and a determination that comes with walking with God. Mm. Whew. We need our virtue restored. Amen? Some of you, that's what's missing. You've lost your determination. You've lost your boldness. And it's just a cute little church message, a cute little church song, a nice little meeting. God's like, no, no, no. I'm going after more than that. I want my glory. He goes, I want, I want to do this thing the way I'm going to do this thing. How many know that God is not impressed by our wimpiness? He doesn't listen to our whining. Amen. He actually gets upset, according to his word, if you constantly complain and whine. He's like, I'm not looking for little whiny people. I'm looking for people with virtue. A boldness and a determination, no matter how dangerous the situation. How I many know we've seen that when people go on the mission field, amen? Well, guess what? You're in the United States of America. You are in the mission field. All right. By which means he has given to us the very great and precious promises. So that though the, that through these you might be partakers of his divine nature, escaping from the corruption in the world by lust. This is a lot. Basically, he's saying, and we are right in the midst of this, right? Here, I thought I was going to show you where the David and Absalom thing is. And we're like, no, show them where we're at right now. Right now, we are in a place that God has given us promises. Okay, those promises are for this nation. But no matter what, because that promise has to probably be worked out by more than one person. He's given you a personal promise that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's given you a personal promise that he's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's your provider. Amen. He's given you a personal promise that you can have favor. He's shown you in scripture people in the midst of captivity who were put into great positions of leadership such as Joseph after they went past the test. Amen. He showed us Daniel. Do y'all realize Daniel was taken as a slave? And God gave him so much favor and wisdom that he pretty much ruled the kingdom. And he prayed for that kingdom. He actually became good friends with the guy who put him in slavery. But what happened by the end of it? What happened by the end of the Daniel story? God rescued Daniel out of the lion's den. And by then the king did not want Daniel in there. He was tricked into it, manipulated, just like the stuff we've been talking about through politics, right? And then he's like, oh no, oh no. And he's like, please. And then when Daniel came out alive and Daniel wasn't mad at the king and wanted to throw him in, the king accepted Daniel's beliefs. And he made a big thing. The, he said the God of Daniel is the true God. Whoa. God wants us to get to a place where they're going to say, wow, the God of these Christians is the true God. Look what he's doing. Look how he's doing it. Look how he's walking them through. How many feel God taking us deeper? How many, how many is getting the, 
okay, he's not going to let us out of this that quick. Amen? Who wants to get let out when he's starting to change us? Amen? Everything you've been asking him, all the promises you've been begging him for, he's taking you, if you'll let him, into a deeper place so you can get those. Amen? Wouldn't you love to be a person who really doesn't have fear? Wouldn't you love to be a person who knows no matter what happens around me, no matter how close to the return of Christ, no matter how bad the last days are, he's, I'm, I'm going to really shine and be protected and I'm going to have that boldness and determination. Okay, this is what he's doing. When we become these partakers of the divine nature, get this, it's not just, being, it's not just having a seed planted in you that you accepted Jesus Christ. He wants you to partake of the supernatural power that he is. He wants you in the heavenly places with him. He wants this stuff to be real to you because that's the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen? As we don't know there's such a place. There is such a place. And every believer is supposed to enter into it. When you enter into partaking of the divine nature, okay, for all those, okay, men, listen to me as you do the men's group and people come in always struggling with lust, amen, always struggling with pornography and always struggling with this and that. It's all, it's everywhere. Here's the answer. Okay, write this down. This is the Bible answer. This is the answer. Not rehashing it over and over. Not telling him not to. Not being accountable to somebody. That scripture's not even in there. He says, you will escape from the corruption in this world of lust by being a partaker of God's divine nature. Is it there? Isn't it right there? He didn't say intellectually saying that's bad. So if I was going to help someone get free from the corruption of lust, and this is good for your children to know, this is good for children teachers to know, this is good for everybody who ministers to anybody in your home, it's the partaking of the divine nature that is going to keep your children from going the way of the world, no matter what their teacher says. It's partaking of the divine nature that can put your bold little kid right there in public school, and you know that you know that you know that you know that they know God. How many know we got to step it up as parents, as grandparents, as pastors, as leaders? We had better step it up. Amen. We had better step it up. We had better quit trying to do this thing with nice little talks. And we better get pure. We don't want them encountering something that's not real. Amen. Ooh, I feel this. No, no matter... No matter what comes along and everyone goes through their own time of breaking into the deeper things of God. Amen. But like, I know that I know that I know that anyone who's lived in my house with me knows. You can't, you can't get, and I'm not boasting, man, I'm boasting on God how real this is. Everywhere you look, my dog was supposed to die. He's raised from the dead or other dog was raised from the dead. Karen had melanoma tumor this big diagnosed and disappeared with one inner healing before they went to take it off. They couldn't find it. She's a miracle. She's a total miracle. So my partner in ministry is a total walking miracle. My son calls me six feet tall, perfect vision, happy as can be, healthy as a horse. And they told us he would die over and over. And if he lived, he'd be blind, diabetic. He'd have this wrong and that wrong. At one point, he'll never be functioned past a two-year-old. Every time I talk to him, I'm talking to something that God's divine nature brought about because I was hungry to partake of who God is. Whew, get this, you guys. This is about partaking 
of his divine nature. Adding to your faith, boom, what you know in your head and get in relationship. You know what you should be praying for? You know what we should be going for? You know what, if you get prayer groups, and that's why Friday nights are fun. We almost never have a Friday night where his divine nature doesn't, doesn't come in and take over. That's where the real power is. You, I want your homes to not look normal. My kids grew up and like the swans man, you know, the guy who sells the frozen food. Would be slay. He was slayed in the spirit in my living room. My husband comes home from work and walks over him. And he goes, who's the man in the living room? Oh, that's the swan's man. He came, but I prayed for him. Was it okay if we eat dinner before he gets up? Yeah, that'd be all right. Those people used to come and sell magazines. Like the young college people. They'd always come in. And I'd pray over them and give them words and knowledge. And they'd be crying and getting saved and I'll get on the little plane all with my book, Joy Comes in the Morning. I, I, am going, I am going back for, in a big way, the divine nature of God to be in my house. You, you, God wants, don't, don't care if, if your husband's in some cultish thing. Bring the divine nature in. God's like, get this boldness, get virtue. Some of you, this is the, this is the word you need. Some of you need Virtue in your homes. You need God's boldness and determination and his power to show up in your homes. You need to quit being shy about it. You need to tell that husband who, who uh, is in a false religion to sit down, move over, you're praying for dinner. While they do their little holy sounding stuff. See, you cannot deny in many of your homes and in my home that God is real. And not just once in a while. My gosh. How can you not have more faith. When you've watched him do miracles. If you know he set you free. Get the virtue to be bold and determined. This is, this is what God's looking for this hour you guys. And, and I think as the church gets it. We'll begin to see it in some of our politicians that know him. He's looking for a bold people with a determination to watch God do his thing in America, in our homes, in our churches. Amen. And he's already given us everything we need to be godly. So don't act like you can't be godly. All right. I'm almost done. I gotta go. That divine nature is the only thing not the only thing, but it's a powerful, according to this word, to escape the corruption in the world that's there by lust. So how much, no, how many know we need more divine nature in our homes with all the lust that your kids walk out into the streets or your spouses or you? Amen? You need to be so saturated with the divine nature that they know how real God is. Let me tell you what, you're not just going to be able to tell them nice stories. I just pray, I know our children's church know how to pray. We need a youth group. We need a youth group where they fall out under the power of God and shake under his power and they know how real he is. Amen. We need to, but we got to step into it, people. We got to start living it and believing it and getting faith. All right. Also, this very thing, having brought everything into diligence. Okay, here's the part. Bring every single thing that God is doing that you're walking through into diligence. Bring everything into all diligence. What's diligence? Let's look it up. Y'all, this is like a Tuesday night, just in case you're wondering. Diligence. Okay, ready? Constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken. 
constant and earnest effort to accomplish what you undertake. Wow. So I, I want you to get a picture of what God is looking for. Because I really believe the church, the individuals who do this are going to experience an unbelievable outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe if we can have a whole church do this, we are going to have a bust through of the Holy Spirit in this place like we've never known. We're going to see healings that are going to amaze us. We're going to see people saved. You're going to bring family one time, talk them in for something, and God's going to absolutely get a hold of them. You're going to see him do powerful things, right? So we're going to bring everything into earnest an effort, we're not going to stop. We're going to supply our faith with virtue. What was virtue? Bold determination. Amen? Add to your, be diligent. Don't let go. Whatever you're believing for, whatever you're walking in, whatever you're walking through, whatever promises God's given you, including for our nation, but also almost everybody has things in their own life, more personal to walk through. Amen? Hang on to diligence. I'm going to do this. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to add to my faith. My relationship with God. My growing in God. My understanding of God. I'm going to add to that a bold determination. Ooh. Gosh, you guys get this. I'm boldly determined to see Virginia one for God. I'm boldly determined to see this country one for God. I'm boldly determined to see our school systems one for God. I'm boldly determined to see my family completely sold out to God. Amen. I'm boldly determined to see you guys set free, healed, and walking in the things of God. Amen. Amen. He says to do this. This is his way of doing This is where we're at. So you're wasting your time now if you're just sitting there listening to the same stuff, saying the same stuff. And it's just like the people who don't add to their faith and then it doesn't happen. It wasn't that it wasn't God's will to happen. It's because they didn't go deeper. So we're going deeper. Amen? Corporately together, we're going deeper. We're going to see this, you guys. You are going to see household salvations. You're going to see creative miracles. You're going to see deliverance. You're going to see the things God's promised you. Don't you want to? Don't you want him to get his glory? Is there anything too big? Faith, remember this. Remember this. Faith has to start. Faith starts with seeing what God can do. And then building up your relationship with him so you can believe it for you personally. Amen? All right. So, we're going to add bold determination. And to our bold determination, we're going to add knowledge. All right, let's see what that is. Let me see in the King James, because I know there's... Okay, full discernment. Full discernment. That word knowledge there is really discerning Christ. Discerning his anointing, discerning his spirit. In other words, it's beginning to move in the spirit realm. Amen? So we're going to add to this moving in the spirit realm. How many know discernment is so powerful? I mean, when you really start asking God for discernment, you can start to see, oh, this is what's going on there. This isn't, this isn't, you can tell when it's, it's it, somebody needs a hurt place in them needs to be healed versus a spirit. I can't cast out a hurt place in somebody. I have to bring healing to that supernaturally, amen? But I can cast out demons, but I got to heal the hurt place first because Jesus said, heal the broken heart, it then set the captives free. See, everybody wants the captive set free, but they don't dump, Jump into God. How do I heal this broken place? Where did it get there? How did it get there? 
I'm not limiting God if he wants to set somebody free. We've seen that happen. But let me tell you what, when that happens, that person had better go and get those places healed or the enemy's going to come back seven times worse. And only God knows which is the best way route for them to go. Because a lot of people are like those suppers, you get healed and you forget it. You're back out doing what you were doing. And then there won't be time the next go round, usually. Amen? All right. So let me get back over here. So we're going to add to the virtue, bold determination, discernment, spiritual discernment, knowledge, understanding God, knowing about him. And that's the knowing that's based on discernment, which means a spiritual, if you want to say it's like, no, it's like spiritually knowing God. It's like really our spirit man connecting with God. That's where a lot of people miss it. Do y'all not know that's like the most fun part of all this? is having something so real with God, spirit to spirit. And, and let me say this, okay, I wanna say this. You don't just jump into that. You do this in the order that God has it in here so you don't get a counterfeit. He put it in order on purpose. You gotta have some real faith. You gotta know the word. You've gotta see the baby steps in real faith. And then you gotta have some bold determination. Amen. And those of us who've walked through things, really walked through things, we know what we're talking about. We know it didn't happen like that. We want, we want to walk this through no matter what we're going to be determined. We're going to do the things he shows us. We're going to keep growing. We're, we're okay that this takes time. Amen. As long as we're changing from glory to glory. All right. He says, <clears throat> so and, to, and then to knowledge, we're supposed to add Temperance, let's see what that is. Self-control. How many know if the enemy can start backtracking you on this? Right? See, think about it. If God puts it together this way, if Satan's going to undo it, he's got to go backwards. So let's say you got to a place of self-control. What is self-control? Self-control is when God says, don't say that. And you say it anyway. And you feel bad and he makes you go apologize and all that stuff. Amen. Self-control is like, don't make that call. Come talk to me. Don't storm out of there. Don't make up an independent spirit. Do your own thing. A lot of people lose it at self-control. Satan starts backing this down. Okay, you had faith. You had bold determination. All this. That something doesn't go the way you want. Next thing you know, you're backing down because you don't have self-control. And then worst thing is when you don't have self-control to blame God. Well, God told me. I'll just let everybody know. God doesn't tell anyone you don't need to be in church. No one. That's an independent spirit. It's not God. Amen. And we just got to get right. I need to go right back to where I got upset and the devil was winning and let God be in charge. Or you're just going to wander around. You still think you're doing it right. Everything's so spiritual. God is like, have fun. But if you really want to get to where you need to go, then you're going to have to go do it his way. That doesn't mean he won't be faithful. He's faithful even when we're not. Amen. He's faithful even when we're not. Don't get that confused with him thinking we're faithful. And when he wants you to leave somewhere, I promise you, you won't want to go. They won't want you to go. It'll be a boo-hoo, Lord. Why? It's never, oh, yay. Thank God. That's the enemy winning. Just so everybody knows. And oh yay. There's a, no, that's the enemy winning. 
God is never going to have believers not work things. Same with marriages. If you're spirit filled and you got God, he's not okay with the divorce. He, God actually believes his spirit in him is big enough for people to do this his way and submit where you have to submit, even if you don't like it. And humble yourself and quit having an independent spirit. Can I get an amen? My goodness, no wonder there's so much mess in the world. Amen. God's like, no, we're going to do this my way. But I don't like that. He doesn't care who you like. He just cares that you do it his way. And you'll probably end up loving who you didn't like. And they'll probably love you. And they didn't like you either, probably. Amen. For every, God knows how to do this. It's like saying God's not big enough, you guys. All, anything where we run into an independent spirit and do it outside of what God says in his word, how he says it in his word, how you handle things, anything like that is not God. It's a independent spirit running away from dealing with stuff. Well, I just didn't like how they, well, so what if you didn't like it? Something you needed to die. Or maybe you were there to help them see. Either way, God, God is not a quitter. Ever. He's just not a quitter ever. And how many people are going to lose all that God has for them? The higher callings. Because they just won't do their the stuff God's way. See, I, I, want, I want to do this God's way. He's faithful even when we're not. Don't get that confused with learning what he wanted you to learn and going through what he wanted you to go through and humbling yourself and learning what he wants you to learn. Amen? And getting this fruit of self-control. Remember, self-control is your flesh doesn't tell you what to do. God does. That's what self-control is, all right? All right. Add to the self-control patience. There we go. <laughs> you ready for this? Cheerful endurance. You mean I got to be cheerful too? Yep. Oh, man. I thought it was enduring. I don't think I had that cheerful thing. Amen? Why would I be cheerful about enduring? Because I'm getting closer to God. I'm having breakthrough with God. I'm seeing what he wants. He's changing things. And I have a cheerful endurance. Yay, God. Mm. The word endurance means to basically hang in there no matter what comes at you. So if God really showed you to believe for this nation as a watchman, which he has with me, I don't care. You, you can throw everything at me. The devil could just bring everything flying and I'm just going to watch God have me dodge it. Amen. Or stop it. I'll have the, the, the um, shield of faith. I'll take authority. I'll rescue people. I'll do what God wants for however long it takes because it's, not about getting to a certain solution. It's about being changed in the process. It's about being changed in the process. It's not about getting to the thing you want. And can I say, if God's in it, you never get that thing very easily. Usually if you get it easy, the devil gave it to you to mess you up. Amen? Why? Because God tells you right here how he does it. He tells you right here how he does it to get to the promises. All right. Add to patience godliness. Holiness, people. What's holiness? The absence of evil. 
So what's he going to do in this process? You're going to have to see things in your heart that don't belong there. Hate those things and get rid of them. And why does God put that after self-control? Because he knows if you don't let him be in control, you're going to run when that part starts. Amen. I mean, most of the church can't even get to these promises for real. You look at this pattern that God set up that you're going to walk through to get to through them. Why? Because he's not as concerned about giving you the promises as he is about you becoming like him. So that's why you can count of joy no matter what you're in. Because he's got the same thing in mind. He's got the same pattern in mind. This is how he does it. So we're all like, seek his face, Trevor, what do you say? Okay, time to recognize those are promises. I believe they're promises. Amen. I believe he has a promise for this nation. I believe it. But he's requiring this whether we like it or not. It's time to grow up. It's time to do it his way. It's time to die to everything in the way of that. It's time for self-control. It's time to be holy. What's the enemy doing in these trials? He tries to get more evil in us. He tries to make you so upset with that person and bitter at that person and angry at that person. And you know what I'm talking about. You start acting a little bit ugly. And I'm going to show them. I want to block them. I'm going to unfriend them. You'll know you're back on the right path when they say something ridiculously horrible. And you can't wait to respond. And God says, leave it alone. Now, if you're getting to that place to be bold and you see that thing that you always ignore, I'll just do a little prayer. God's going to say, no, no, no. Post the scripture there. So guess what? You can't tell who's doing what, what part of this journey they're on. Because boldness and determination can look like you're not under self-control. But you're really moving in boldness and determination. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why you can't judge it. You can't judge what God's telling somebody else to do. You look at the fruit. God will sometimes have me post to purposely try to shake somebody out of blindness. But then he's like, no, no, no. Tell them how good I am. Start praying. Now, how do you know when your heart's off? Because you begin to almost get vindictive. You begin to almost say, how could you be, you, okay, y'all ready? All right, get ready for those who, who didn't vote for some of the things that are happening now. And you see that gasoline price going up. If you're in Virginia, you ain't seen nothing yet. We got to pray. But you see that going up and your one of your thoughts is, I need to say, why don't just you other people who voted this way have to pay this? All right, has anybody else had that thought? All you mature, mature people of God. I should have no trouble having somebody take my place preaching whenever I leave. But you, you kind of know it's wrong, so I didn't do it. Some of y'all did. But you have to get to such a place. So, so what, would, what would faith in that do? Faith would say, well, God, I guess you're going to have to give me an increase. You just have to give me an increase because I'm still driving my car. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, Lord, thank you for helping me. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Some of it, God could really be leading somebody to be bold to shake somebody. And some of it is your attitude's gotten off. And their self-control is now missing. 
and, and you add to everything self-control. Get self-control. I only do what he says and I do it for the reason he wants it done. What, that word basically means I'm making myself come under the control of the Holy Spirit. And let me just let everybody know this. He never makes you do it. That's why you have to choose self-control. You can always run off your mouth. You can always get passive aggressive and not tell anybody and think you're punishing everybody. You can always act outside of self-control. So if you ever do the thing, Lord, just make me do it. He, it doesn't work like that. He adds to all of this self-control. Only you will know it. You will know what you just wanted to post and God said no. And then if, you, if it's enough of God saying no to what you want to do, that's an indicator you need to go spend some time with him and find out why your heart's off, which is what I've been doing for the last few days. Amen? Does that make sense? Like I can have the gift of, I can have the fruit of self-control. I can have like, okay, I'm not going to do it, God. But God wants to go, he wants you to think, yeah, but why would you want to do something I don't want to do? Mm, I don't want to go there yet, God. I'm still having fun just not doing it, but wanting to. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> if you're married and you're mature at all, you know what I'm talking about. If you have children and you're mature at all, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's that, uh, and God's like, no. Or that, oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, yes, you are. Uh. And it can look different for everybody. So you can't really tell. Well, if somebody cusses, you know, okay, they don't have self-control. You know what I mean? If somebody pulls something filthy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can tell to a degree. But in normal, everyday things, you can't tell. Only, only you and God really know. Amen? Do you see why you have to have discernment first before you can know this is God telling you not to do this or to do this? Oh, the way he does things makes so much sense. All right, let me, we're almost done. I gotta go. Okay, holiness. So godliness can be the word holiness. That's letting God get the evil out of your heart. Dealing with the evil thinking. Dealing with the evil way you've been taught to do things, okay? You want to get evil out. You don't want it coming in. And to godliness or holiness, he wants us that brotherly kindness. Which means we start having more affection for what the brothers and sisters in the Lord are going through. So when we see a prophet who's kind of apologizing, instead of throwing stones at him, saying God's, not, God's upset with them, the, the true maturity comes to place. say, Lord, I want to be kind to them. Lord, I understand what they're going through. I don't understand. I get what they're trying to do. And it's none of my business. I just want to pray for them, Okay. And you still read some of their posts. If you read their posts. You see what I'm saying? It's brotherly kindness. It, one thing everybody should be coming to now, although the enemy's trying to destroy it, is, is a genuine brotherly kindness. It's like recognizing, wow, all Christians are in this together. 
to recognize when they closed down, like that, that church that just closed down that pastor in Canada, brotherly kindness would be like, oh my gosh, that could really happen here. Lord, please help him. Lord, you know, whatever. Brotherly kindness will have you help to give people finances when they need it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it's like a, what he's saying, when you go through all this, you're going to get to a place to really, really, really love the brothers in the, in the body of Christ. What does the Bible say? When we love them, they'll know that we belong to Christ. Mm. So when you see all this other stuff going along, going on, God's going to use all this to cause it. We don't take sides. Amen. We don't take sides. We, we see what is this brother doing? How can I pray for them? What's going on with them? Who am I to judge them? Oh, what's this brother doing? You see what I'm saying? You see what this thing now, the enemy's trying to take sides. Oh, we're the ones with faith and we're still believing. And, and you may, you may be, and you may have a bunch of fear and you're just delusional. I don't know. Just the two can look the same, right? And then the one over here really might have been convicted. Maybe God didn't tell them that. Maybe they shouldn't have said it. So who am I to say they shouldn't apologize? But if you apologize, apologize for you. You don't need to apologize for me. Amen? But then isn't God just teaching them that? So have you ever, if you had a larger family and somebody got in trouble in your family, like one of your brothers or sisters. And so they were going to get a spanking. And if your brothers, if you're really close and you know you probably deserve the spanking too or whatever, you don't go volunteer for the spanking. But, but you do feel really bad that they got caught and they're getting a spanking. Like, like you, don't, you don't put it in their face. It's not... Lack of brotherly love is, ha, 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 you needed that. I'm glad mom doesn't like you. She like, you know, that's not brotherly love. Okay. But, but when you really come to that real kinship, that real, then it's like, oh man, I wish, oh, stop spanking them. I wish I could spank them. And then when they come out all kind of embarrassed, even if they're trying to act cool, everybody just kind of drops it. Right? See, that's more like the brotherly love idea. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, ha, ha, ha. It's more like, it's more like a unity. It's more like a feeling one. It's more like, oh my gosh, Lord, help them get through this or help them see this. Does everybody see that? So look at this process and what we're in right now that I was not preaching any of this, by the way, this morning at all. That's why I have to keep looking. Lord, I didn't even go study this right now. My thing flips around. All right. Now. We're almost done. Brotherly kindness. And we add to brotherly kindness. Charity, let me see what that is. Love. Okay. Affectionate love. So what God is getting us to in this whole process is one thing. Loving people. Loving the lost, loving those of another religion, loving those of another political party. Lord, help us. How, how many has God kind of given you a wake-up call that we better get back in this thing and do it his way? <laughs> we just wanted, we just wanted it over. No, okay. <laughs> Do you really want it over to have to go through another trial to get there? 
Or wouldn't it be kind of nice if the whole church would jump in this and we'd all mature and really mature together so God could pour out an outpouring that would completely bring souls to the kingdom and change things and bring about everything we're asking God to do but looking at politicians to do? Amen? You can now go on your own or get the teaching on Count It All Joy. It's the same kind of pattern of what God is doing in this. All right? So we're in a trial. To be honest, the church in the United States of America and other nations, but mainly us, we are in a trial together. Let's be real. Didn't he, didn't he give us a clue in with the virus thing? So it's not like we haven't been in a trial for a year, going right on a year. And God said, okay, you haven't done these things yet. How many know it's time to do these things? Amen. It's time to do these things. It's time to encourage others to do these things. It's trying to yield to this divine, powerful God and let him make us in his image and his likeness. And let's be real. It'll be awesome to watch God do something powerful in the church. Amen. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you. 